Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley DiMaria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics, ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week we will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is joy. Anne, welcome to week three of our podcast. Happy third Sunday in Advent, Haley. Today is also known as Gaudete Sunday. It's the week of December 13th. And last week's theme was love. And as Haley mentioned, this week we will talk about joy. We'll talk about joy with the flame. Um, That's kind of our section on what's cooking, what's hot. We'll move into joy as the meat of our spiritual stew and conclude with the melting pot. Um, What are cheesy stories, nuggets of inspiration and pieces of perspective on joy? So last week, Haley, we talked about love and we talked about baking with love. Now I heard you were busy this week. Yep, we were, Anne. I was inspired by you. I heard you make a mean um, pumpkin snickerdoodle cookie uh, that was made with love. And so so we started baking this week. I baked with my son, um, which of course is love in itself. I obviously enjoy any moment that I can get with my teenage son, uh, but also baked with your special ingredient, uh, love. And you're right, it does make things taste better. So. We tried a couple of new recipes that came from a friend, which is always fun to do, always makes you a little nervous. Um, But it's it's an easy recipe to make a a lot of cookies um, because we are attempting a socially distant cookie exchange. Um, I have a group of friends that I've done a cookie exchange with for about 12 years, and it 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 was really sad to think that we might not be able to do that this year since we're all giving up so much and because we're all going to be home. Um, so we are going to attempt to meet outside and there's there's only eight of us. So we'll be under the, the 10 person limit and we will try to stand apart and pass out the cookies, but um, really enjoyed baking this week, thought of you uh, and enjoyed the time with my son. Isn't it amazing that a plate of cookies can bring such joy the color the varieties is there one that you're looking forward to Haley so one of the ones that I tried so the the one that I enjoy the most is um, a fudge that my mom makes and it's really kind of um, a pain because it's very laborious I'm not sure that's the correct word but it takes a long time to make it takes three steps and you have to wait 24 hours between each step So I don't know if I'm looking forward to making that, I'm looking forward to eating it. But the one I really enjoyed this time, it's a new one, is uh, a pretzel on the bottom with a half melted candy cane Hershey Kiss with a green M&M on top. So it's red and white striped with a green M&M and it's super fun looking Uh, and it tastes like a thin mint, which everybody loves. So we had a great time. It's that was truly joyful for me this week um, was baking and um, I love doing it. It sounds delightful. And yes, that that extra ingredient is fun to think about, even with yes, some treats are more laborious than others. (laughs) I think that's fair to say, just like anything in life, right? Right. Um, Yes. One of the things I wanted to talk about, Haley, you last week had mentioned the mission statement of your coach, your swimming coach at Notre Dame, Tim Welsh, 
and saying that the purpose of Notre Dame swimming is to pursue athletic excellence with self-discipline and love for one another and uh, his emphasis on that word love. And as we were preparing for this week's theme, joy, I've heard one coach talk about that in his sort of mission statement. So Steve Kerr is the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And I read a story before he took over that position. He met with Pete Carroll, the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks and kind of shadowed him. And as a coach and an athletic director, we really encourage coaches to do this. You know, it's kind of like observations for teachers. You can learn from other ones. And one thing Pete Carroll has done is he does build wonderful team chemistry among his athletes. He's known for that. And so he asked Coach Kerr, you know, what are your plans? So that prompted Coach Kerr to come up with, he calls them his four core values and their mindfulness. And mindfulness is simply just kind of be aware of what's going on around you. Now, obviously on the court, that is incredibly important, but also like mindfulness that these men get to play a game for a living. And um, it's a great, they get to use their gifts and talents in a way that so many people want to do, but they're in the position to do it. Competition is the second core value. And competition in the sense is striving together that you make your opponent, I mean, your teammates better by working harder, by, you know, by your work ethic, like inspiring others, not tearing them down, but building them up. Three is compassion. Um, really have an, an understanding of what your teammates might be going through. So that might be injury, that might be you've been traded and you were on one team yesterday and today you're here in um, San Francisco or, you know, injuries, family obligations, et cetera. But his fourth core value, and he speaks about this one the most, is joy. And he says that joy is fun, enthusiasm. And um, he says Steph Curry is the player he looks to. He says Steph plays with joy. And I thought, what a great way to be described as an athlete, that you play with joy. And the word enthusiasm, um, entheos, right, from God. I learned that shout out to Kristen Sheehan. Um, she talks a lot. She writes about that, but that you carry something within you when you play with enthusiasm, right? God's gifts and talents shown through you. Um, and I like to think about that, that Steph Curry is someone who plays with joy. So, Anne, I love this. I've always been a Steve Kerr fan, um, you know, back at his time with Arizona. Um, I really enjoyed, we could talk about this probably in another episode at length. Um, I really enjoyed the Steve Kerr part of the uh, Michael Jordan series that aired um, yeah. where we watched it during quarantine. Um, but I, and I have a lot of respect for Pete Carroll. Um, I can't say I, I like him a lot. I still have some scars from his days at USC coaching down there, but boy, is he a great coach. And, and you're right, he does put together a great team and great team culture. Um, but, I, you know, looking at these, the, these four core values, um, you know, obviously kind of competition speaks for itself and mindfulness is, is something that we could all learn more about. But looking at compassion and joy, um, I love the compassion piece. That reminds me of Tim's part of the mission statement where he talks about love for one another, because really that's what compassion is, 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 is loving your teammates, having compassion for them, understanding them, knowing what's going on. Um, you know, really that's what Tim wanted for us as well, was for us to love one another, have that compassion and understanding for one another and, and what, they're go what they're going through. Um, so that is, that's such a great piece that fits into to something that I'm very familiar with. But the joy piece to me, I completely get 
Um, I, you know, I have always said that as an athlete, you, you have to love what you do. You have to have fun doing it. Um, and it's not always fun, you know, certainly being an athlete at, at any level, but certainly at the level that, you know, that Steve Kerr is coaching at and, you know, even that I swam at in college, um, it, it's hard. So it's not always fun, but you really have to love doing it. And, you know, I always use the example when I was in high school, I my fastest times that I swam we're not at nationals, we're not at any of my USA swimming meets. The fastest times I had were at Arizona High School State um, because I loved swimming for my high school team. It was just fun. Uh, you know, for an individual sport where it was just me and, and my races and what I was going to do, um, being part of a team on my high school program gave us a team goal. It gave us something to work towards. I loved the relays. You know, my efforts really meant something. Um, so my fastest times were always at Arizona High School State, uh, which is a pretty fast meet anyway. But I really believe it was because I was having fun. Um, and that was a really fun time. So I get it. The joy and that enthusiasm um, really makes a difference, uh, you know, not only for athletes, but really for anybody. If you don't love what you do, it's going to be hard to give it that enthusiasm and passion that it deserves to do it well. As a coach of an individual sport, as a, you know, girls golf coach, Haley, I love hearing that. And yeah, you do hope in those moments that you can play for yourself. Of course you want, you know, you have to be driven in, in swimming and golf and tennis, what, um, you know, cross country track. But when you shift kind of the purpose, like you were saying here, you're playing, you're representing Xavier, you're representing something so much larger than you. Uh, there really is a, I don't know if it's a freedom or if it's just a joy, like you're saying, to be able to do that, it, it does take some of the, it's a different perspective, I'm sure. So I love hearing again, cause that's our challenge as, in, as a coach of an individual sport, getting you know, young people to play for something bigger than themselves. And I, I do think that's true in the NBA as well, right? It's very, there are a lot of any professional athlete, there's a lot of egos and it's driven by star power. But if you can, bring that over to somebody else it changes the the paradigm and i'm struck by how you continue to bring things back to arizona so yes uh steve kerr played for university of arizona but as i was speaking i thought of another arizona connection i think the, one of the athletes who did that like nobody else was steve nash right and he played for um the suns and they said he was the ideal teammate why because he made everyone around him better right he knew your strengths and he would play those up to the point where he almost faded away, but he was two-time MVP, so clearly he didn't, and I love that. Yeah, that's great. And I, you know, I have to tell you, Anne, one thing that was not so joyful in our house yesterday or this weekend was watching the Army-Navy game. Um, you know, we're in Annapolis, Maryland, and we love our Navy midshipmen and drove several of them uh, to the airport today uh, as they're heading home for for their vacation, which is great because they, they haven't had a break since, um, some of them since last semester and most of them since the summer. Um, but, you know, it, it's America's game. And, you know, watching the, the midshipmen and the cadets on the field, it's, you know, it's the best of, it, it's the best of our country. And the joy that they watched the game with was, was really fun to see, um, at least towards the end, unless you were, um, you know, an army fan and cheering for them. Um, but one thing that was really interesting for me watching that game was, uh, you know, it started off, uh, it's on national TV, as we all know, um, but it started off with a prayer. 
And I, I really took note of that because that's not always the case before a college football game. Um, certainly it happens in a Notre Dame locker room. And, you know, even at Notre Dame games, when you're in the stands, they show, you know, the prayer on the on the big screen. But uh, I took note of that and I thought that was interesting. I enjoyed hearing it. Um, but I was curious to see how other people reacted. Um, so if anyone is, is listening and has a different opinion or not, um, I think it would be fun to see how others reacted to um, a prayer before a, a college football game on, on national TV without, without getting too political, but just being prayerful. Um, but what I think it speaks to is, you know, especially during the Army-Navy Army game, everyone is working towards um, something greater than themselves. And, you know, Army-Navy exemplifies that um, the most. You know, they're, they're there to serve our country and they are the best of uh, the military and will be leading us for many generations. Um, so that was not quite a joyful day because of course we wanted Navy to win, um, but America always wins in that game. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tradition. It is something, um because well this week this year is so different but usually this is one of the later games before all the bowl games so i know next saturday i look uh, forward to the acc championship and i was thinking you know this is such a a great week for for example players like at notre dame where they've had a great season they're undefeated you know next week who knows what's going to happen but they're in this place right now where they can kind of savor their accomplishments. So I've really enjoyed interviews with Ian Book, right? And all the positive press he's getting. And we don't know what's gonna happen next week with a healthy Clemson, you know, Trevor Lawrence leading the way. But there are those moments in time for teams, et cetera, that they can just enjoy the journey where they've been and they're not done, right? But I, I do hope that they are able to just kind of savor the hard work that they've done. So well, congratulations, yeah. Army. I have to, you know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, You're right. I, uh, yeah, great tradition. So let's move. Let's move into our next section, which is the spiritual stew. Has there been a gospel reading? Um, we're the, I, I don't know, Haley. I can't believe it's the third week of Advent, right? And we're light, lighting that third candle. But the readings this week are very powerful. Yes, yes. In fact, I... Um... You know, it, today's gospel, or it's this Sunday's gospel, the third Sunday in Advent, um, you know, our, our priest opened his homily this morning by saying, you know, we finally get to light that pink candle. Um, that's always how I taught my children which one you light first on the Advent calendar. You always light the candle that is opposite uh, the pink one, rose, I believe, colored. But doesn't matter which way you go, but that's the first one. So for me, the, you know, the Sunday's gospel, Luke 1, 26, 38, um, includes the the words that are the inspiration for the Hail Mary. You know, in the gospel, it reads, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And I, you know, for me, the Hail Mary has, has been such a personal prayer because, you know, not growing up Catholic, but going to a Catholic high school, that was the prayer that we said before every swim meet. Mm. And it was really the first Catholic prayer that I really learned. And mm. and I wanted to fit in with my teammates, most mm. of whom were Catholic. And so I really listened to the words because mm. I wanted to learn them. And uh -huh. you know, I, I and I find myself still doing that, saying the Hail Mary, um, very intentionally 
each word, you know, so often, um, and, and my family certainly falls victim to this, you know, when we're, we're saying prayer, you know, before dinner, and um, I, we, I feel like we're just sort of reciting words and, and just saying them and sometimes too quickly and blowing through that. Um, but the Hail Mary, I have always loved and appreciated, one, because it was that first Catholic prayer that I learned, and two, because I've always really listened to the words. And so they always jump out at me when I hear them in the gospel. And I love the words, you know, hail full of grace, um, because boy, wouldn't, I mean, it, it, grace is such a beautiful word that I would just love to have described, someone describe me as a graceful person. I'm not sure that will happen, but just that sense of of being of full of grace is is amazing. And then the Lord is with you. You know, the Lord is with you. Like he's with you. Um, you know, that's that those words are amazing. Um, and so I've always I I always say those and hear them um, very intentionally. And then, you know, even the alternate gospel reading that you could have today, Luke 1, 29, 39, 47. You know, most blessed are you among, among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Um, you know, and when I say or hear those words, I always think of Mary, and then I always have this vision of all these women around Mary, and you know that's that's just the image that I that I always have. So I I loved this gospel. I love hearing the words from the Hail Mary. Um, it's just a really meaningful prayer for me because it was really the first one that I learned, um, and I think that's always kind of something special to us. That's beautiful, Haley. You know, we we were talking about enthusiasm and in a podcast, I can see you, but our listeners only hear you. But I, I think regardless if it's seeing or hearing you, we can hear and see your enthusiasm. I can see it on the screen as you were sharing what that prayer meant to you. So thank you for that. I do refer to the Hail Mary as kind of my go-to prayer. I've thought about this when um, in moments in my life where I'm in trouble or, you know, I had a cardiac event in my life and that is the prayer that I say. And I've thought about why do I say that? And that's about relationship, right? It's a, like a mother, right? I'm reaching out to Our Lady, Our Mother. And when we are in need, when we are scared, when we have fear, but also, right, in glory or in great moments, what is our prayer? And for me, yes, that has been the Hail Mary because um, I value your perspective on this as a Catholic prayer because Catholics do have a special love and devotion to Our Lady. And for people who are not Catholic, they might wonder, right? We don't pray. She, we don't worship Mary. We venerate her. She has a special position in our lives of faith because she is the mother of the word. She is the mother of Christ. So no one is, you know, it, may, it would be hard to argue if anyone's closer to our Lord than our lady. Um, so that's a, a valuable perspective. Thank yeah. You. And what a great, that, what a great distinction. Um, I love that. And I'll have to remember that and use that, you know, we don't worship her. We, we venerate her. That's, um, I, I like that. I'll, I'll have to make note of that. And distinctions are important. I, I talked a little bit about that to my niece today. Actually, my niece's name is Grace. So when you were talking about that, I think it's such a beautiful name too, not only a, a word. And she asked me to be her confirmation sponsor. And uh, one of the things she has to choose is a patron saint. And so it came to me after our phone call, but I thought, well, Grace ought to choose. And it's her choice. I, I started talking about Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, but I thought she should go for Our Lady, for Mary. Saint Mary, 
right? She is the greatest of all women. And this prayer really lauds her for her fiat, for her yes, for our Lord. And so, you know, we can all use maybe a little more Mary in our lives in this way. Not the Mary Martha that we talked about in episode one, but, you know, this willingness to magnify the Lord. Yes. And to be filled with grace. Amen. Uh, the spiritual reading that I have thought about this week in terms of joy is something I've used in class, and it's a papal writing. So Pope Paul VI in 1975, he wrote Gaudete in Domino, in Domino, excuse me, which is joy in the world, right? And that's what we're thinking of, Gaudete, Gaudete Sunday, but in our world, and these are times where we really need joy. And I, I joked you know, with my students, a lot of times when they encounter like a papal writing, it's about a challenging topic in our world so for example you know care for create for the for the environment right our environment has been compromised or um the suffering of or the challenge to human life on so many different levels but this one was just on the the topic of joy and he felt that there was a need to um teach people about joy and that there are simple ways that every human being could experience joy and that our God, who is a loving God, has put joy quite literally in our path. So this papal writing, though maybe formal, there was a, a breakdown that I used with students and it, it pointed to just a couple of ways, like the joy and existence of life itself, that we are here, the joy of sanctified love, the peaceful joy of nature and silence, the um the joy that comes from like hard work you know knowing you've done a job well and uh, the joy and satisfaction of service or of sharing and also the demanding joy of sacrifice so being a christian means that we will encounter joy in these simple ways and we ought to pay attention to it and I love that. And, you know, it, it reminds me of something that I saw you posted this week. You know, one, one thing I had read um, in, in reading about joy was uh, a question that Pope Benedict the sixteen posed uh, back in 2007, which is, is joy still possible during a time of suffering? And, uh, you know, this is a real time of suffering for some people and a struggle and, um, I, I know you had some challenges this week as well, and yet what I saw on your social media were some really joyful posts. And, you know, I thought, yes, you, you can find joy during a time of suffering, and, and Anne has done that. Um, so tell us about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, you know, sometimes, Haley, these encounters are just happy accidents, but I did, I did share them. You know, one question I've had in related to what you're saying about Pope Benedict is I'm concerned for young people, like what are they doing that's fun for them or bringing them joy? So I live in a city that's shelter in place. We are very restricted in terms of what we can do. And one day I, I did, I had, I was just really struggling. A friend of mine is going through some hard times and I decided I live near Ocean Beach and I had to drop something off. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go walking along the beach. Now, the weather here in San Francisco has been unbelievable. And I always joke about this as a golfer, you're always obsessed with the weather. 
but there's been no wind and it's just been delightful. And I walked out, I parked on this Irving street and there's a bunch of surf shops, which is just so cool. That's a different culture that I, I don't know a lot about, but I enjoy kind of thinking about. And I walked the great highway is highway one. It's closed. So for residents, you can walk, bike, rollerblade, bring your dog out there. So it is one of the few things we're able to do. And there were a lot of people out. Um, it was probably 445, five o'clock. People are done with their work day. The surf was really high and the sun was setting and it was just miraculous. It was so beautiful. And I thought this costs nothing to be out here. And this was really a gift. And in that moment, it's so hard not to just appreciate the beauty of what God has created and talked about that, like beholding a moment of, of beauty um, as a spiritual discipline in sport. But this is something that I wanted. I said to my students, I said, hey, go out to Ocean Beach if you get a chance and, um, and just walk along the beach, right? There's sand dollars. There's, you know, I said, there's weird people there's, there's, you know, um, there was somebody swimming in the ocean. There's so much, I know it's just, there's some riptides out there. There were surfers. There's so much to just take in and delight. So I think Pope Paul VI would, would agree that that's one of the tenets of joy. Well, absolutely. And, and you clearly lived what he talks about of peaceful joy of nature and silence. You know, I'm sure you spend a lot of that time on your walk in silent just taking it you know taking it all in and and what a what a gift you know you have to be able to do that you know, I don't know if a lot of I, I think there are some people who are unable to do that and I think that's our hope for everyone is to find that inner joy um, you know there's a difference between joy and happiness happiness you know and sadness or feelings they come and go and I I, I view joy more like grace. Joy is a state of being. Joy, you know, we can be a joyful person that chooses to see the joy in life and, and also have moments of sadness. Um, and, and, and clearly, Anne, you have that gift. You know, you, you live in that, that perpetual state of joy where there are times that are hard and, and sad and we suffer, um, but you still have that ability to, to find that joy. Well, thank you. And, and thanks for that distinction, Haley. I think we were talking about veneration versus worship and um, yeah, happiness versus joy. Those are distinctions that are important. And yeah, I could carry that sadness of a friend, but also in that moment, delight in something. And this book called The One Minute Philosopher makes an interesting distinction about that. It says there's an objective quality to joy. So like the birth of a child, the success of a person when they've worked really hard, like regardless of a person's place or, you know, their feelings in that moment, it's outside of them. And we can say, wow, yeah, that a birth of a child, that is a miracle or good for him or her. They've worked hard and they achieved what they hoped. So joy is something for, for us, I think, to all think a little bit more about and, and pass on. So Anne, moving on to the melting pot, because I know you have a great story here that I loved hearing and I look forward to hearing it again. Um, you know, tell us tell us your takeaway. Tell us, um, you know, a, a pre share with us a, a pretty powerful story of, of finding joy in life. So listeners will, if you haven't picked up on this before, but one of my favorite things is a great story. I just, I love good stories. They nourish me and I, I hope to pass them on and I hope you'll pass them on to me. And I think Haley, that's a big part of 
where our friendship began because your story is just so powerful. Um, and it's not a short story, it's an ongoing story, but it's a powerful story. And one of my favorite writers is Jim Martin, Father Jim Martin, he's a Jesuit priest. And he wrote a book a couple of years ago and I think he's right. He said there was a real need for joy and laughter in the Catholic Church. Talk about hard times with the sex abuse crisis and leadership. Yes, whoa, di very difficult. The faithful in the church, right? Where are we finding joy? And remotely can we find laughter? So he wrote this book called Between Heaven and Mirth, Why Joy, Humor, and Laughter Are at the Heart of the Spiritual Life and speaks to the need for that. And from that book, he went on a book tour and it became kind of like a three-man show of people who speak and write about joy. So Jim Martin, uh, Timothy Cardinal Dolan, the, the leader, you know, religious leader in New York, the Cardinal of New York City, and Stephen Colbert, right? And people know Stephen Colbert from late night television, but this was such an incredible story. So people probably know Stephen Colbert is a devout, he's faithful Catholic, and he's spoken about that. But what I didn't know is he's the youngest of 11 children. And he was raised by Catholic parents. And at the age of 10, his father and two brothers died in a plane crash. And Colbert tells the story of riding in a limousine to the funeral. And one of his sisters made his other sister laugh so unbelievably hard, she fell off the seat in the limo. And he vowed from that point on that he wanted to do that for a living, to make people laugh. So quite literally, Stephen Colbert's goal in life is to bring joy, right, through laughter, which is such a great way, um, if you have that gift, right, to be able to do that. What a great story. So I've, I've thought a lot about the power of humor and joy even to your point, like of Benedict's question, in the height of suffering, is it possible? Right. I, I you know, I, that's exactly what I thought of was was Benedict's quote and or question. And you know, in the in his darkest days, you know, his darkest moment of his life, um, found that joy, you know, that that grace that he received from God through his sister and their laughter, um, really changed the course of his life, and he did find that joy. Um, so I think that is such a great takeaway as, you know, we we go through this third week of, of Advent and we try during a time that can be really challenging. You know, many of us are looking at holidays that look different and maybe not seeing those that we would normally see, whether it's loved ones, family, friends, um, maybe, you know, may or may not be having my, my cookie exchange that I've been hoping to have and have had for many years, but, you know, to find that joy every day and to, to be a joyful person, to receive that gift of God's grace. Um, of course, next week is, is gifts. Um, that's always a fun one to talk about. Um, the, the fourth Sunday in Advent, the gifts, but, uh, and I have to say one of the joys of my week is thinking about what we're going to talk about on this podcast. And so, you know, I thank you for that sharing all of this time with you um, and and looking at life you really on a daily basis through the lens of you know faith fondue and sharing our faith and and that has brought me joy and and really keeps my focus uh, where it should be quite honestly 
Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we, we all sort of drift and wander, but um, the, the focus for me has been really great. So any last parting thoughts that you want to share, Anne? Well, as you were talking and I was thinking of your story, Haley, I was thinking of your book and people who brought you joy when you were in the hospital. Like you're, you, you, you mentioned a number of people, but I was kind of struck by the memory of teammates bringing flowers and balloons. And this past week, my boss, um, he loves birthdays and he brought a coworker, um, a bunch of cupcakes and a balloon. And I just thought it was so sweet that a balloon could be something that brings joy and connecting it back to that memory that of what you wrote about the hospital room. And so it is those small things, whether it's a, a cookie exchange and finding the gingerbread man on that plate or the pumpkin snickerdoodles, which I will, I will, I should link the recipe in the show notes. Absolutely. Right? Or um, yeah, just our time together. So thank you. Well, thank you and thank you for listening. I hope that, that each one of us finds joy this week. I hope we are able to do things we love and spend time with those that we love because I know that all of that brings us joy and the grace that, that God hopes for us. So that is all from Anne and Haley this week with Faith Fondue. And we look forward to next week as we move into the fourth Sunday of Advent and gifts.